0: The Braves beef up again at the trade deadline. Oh, and their third baseman is here to stay.
1: We're a much more well-rounded club at this point. You can always get better. We don't have as many pronounced needs that we did a year ago.
0: Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano. Our trade deadline edition. And the sw- simple question to start here, Justin, is are the Braves better today?
2: They absolutely are. Um, you will not see, as a, if you're a casual fan, you will not see the flashy names the Braves acquired. They did not acquire Juan Soto. They did not acquire a frontline starter. But I think there's something to be said for improving at the margins and sealing up a couple of those holes depth-wise. And they are absolutely a better team, not only because of that, but because they signed Austin Riley to a long-term extension.
0: All right, coming up, we will break down, of course, Austin Riley's extension, all the trades that the Braves made, all the trades that will affect the Braves across the National League, and a rapid-fire Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure you follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode of the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is brought to you by Kroger. to congratulate you, Justin, and Alex Anthopoulos. You both got a lot done in the last twenty-four hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, Alex. A little, a little more than I, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think he had less sleep than I did, but yeah, we both, both of us are rolling. And uh, geez, I mean, we've had a couple of these episodes, right, where we look back at the last twenty-four hours and we're like, a lot happened. Uh, the Freddie Freeman medals and stuff comes to mind. This one was crazy, Uh, so I'm glad we're kind of here to unpack it because I think this will be a cathartic experience for all of us.
0: All right, now before we dig into all the moves, I like the question that you asked Alex about what it's like in that office on this day.
2: Um, What's what's this like for you, the two days or three days leading up to the deadline? How have you learned in your career to balance everything in the air, the stress, getting sleep, all of that?
1: Uh, Have your family not be in town? seriously uh i learned that in 2015 in toronto my family went to europe and it was my best trade deadline that i had and um we kind of have that set up as a family so last year as well they were back in canada and they were back for a few days here and then they went back to canada again for a week so um just with experience i think you learn you know you you know who you can work with and who you can't work with, and time is important and making sure you don't waste time, and you don't have time to explore. You have to make quick decisions and move, and uh, that's just based on my experiences. So um, you really don't have time to just drag things out because just things are moving fast and people are making decisions, and you can miss opportunities and windows quickly, uh, you know, hour by hour, just because there's 29 other clubs that are doing the same thing.
0: I guess it gave away a secret recipe there the – key to being a master at the trade deadline is to get the kids and the wife out of the house.
2: Yeah, um, man, Alex Anthopoulos, really, who who doesn't like to give up competitive advantages as people <laughs> in his position, don't really... Uh, hey, AJ Preller or Andrew Friedman, if you're listening to this, uh, you didn't you didn't hear that from us. Alright, so overall, how did it go?
1: I wouldn't use the word satisfaction, not to, you know, it, because you just don't know how it's going to turn out, right? So you, you think it, you feel good about it, and then you don't... Guys still have to go out and play and perform, and you're still playing games and health and it's not that I'm not glass half full. I just My job is to worry, and my job is to always keep five steps ahead and make sure that we're, we have depth and we're covered and things like that. So the satisfaction piece is if you get to the postseason.
0: So did the Braves moves meet your expectations?
2: Yeah. Um, look, I think the names that we talked about in retrospect and ones that were being floated around were probably bigger than what the Braves actually got other than Rysell Glesias. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think it met expectations in this. I never saw the Braves doing anything big. Like, I never saw them mortgaging their future um, for even a player with a couple years of control. Um, I more saw them spending in the offseason. We can get into what's next. But they met expectations in terms of this. They filled left field. They added to the rotation. They added to the bullpen. And then they added to overall depth with Adrianza. And, and so I think um, from that perspective, when you looked at their list of priorities... Check, 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 and they did that.
0: Let's look at the big move that that came in there just right at the buzzer here. Rice Rysell Iglesias for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson.
1: It came together very late. You know, we've had interest in him. We talked about him as a free agent. Um, and it just sometimes these things happen late. You know, part of getting Austin's extension with no one we were going to get it done or not, we had a lot of deals um, that we were exploring that had commitments in out years and would impact us going forward. And... um having clarity and understanding of where we were going to commit our, our dollars. I mean, we only can, you know, we're, we're obviously we're, we're going to be as competitive as we can year in and year out. Our payroll is growing year in and year out, but we still have to be smart about putting a winning club on the field. So um, making sure that we prioritize certain guys and make sure we had commitments allows us to explore other trades, and we had a lot of things in, in the works. And um, Iglesias is someone we had our eye on, and it came together really late, like two minutes to go.
0: I know a lot of people's early reaction to this is, wow, Jesse Chavez is having a better year. He's having a much better ERA than Iglesias. And then you step back, it's like, wait a minute, Iglesias is a legit closer here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you look at this in the short term, it's another late inning option. Uh, as Will Smith struggled the last few weeks, he was also traded. We will get into that. Don't worry. But as he struggled the last few weeks, it became even more clear that the Braves not only needed a – another arm in the bullpen. They needed somebody who could handle the late innings and handle them reliably. Um, And this is Iglesias. I mean, he has struggled this year at points. He's got an ERA over, you know, his career ERA. But this is a legit closer. This is a guy with history in the game, a track record, um, has, you know, the reputation of being a shutdown closer, over 150 career saves, um, played for, you know, a bad team. The Angels fell off a cliff, didn't need him. And in the bigger picture, this is somebody that if you don't re-sign Kenley Jansen and bring him back, Iglesias can be your closer because he's on a four-year, $58 million deal that he signed before this season when L.A. re-signed him. Um, and so you give yourself coverage in that regard. Now, I think Kenley Jansen is happy here. It seems like you know the Braves, if they want to, should be able to get something done there um, eventually. But this gives you coverage and if Kenley Jansen does resign eventually you have two closers and the Braves viewed it like that from the start when they had Kenley Jansen and Will Smith, Alex Anthopoulos, as we've talked about on this show uh, called Will Smith when they were going to sign Kenley Jansen uh, and just said like, Hey, you know, is this okay with you just to let him know, not even to ask so much if it's okay, but just to give him a heads up. And Will was like, you know, a team guy. He's like, I'm okay with it. You know, I just want to win again. And the Braves thought they had two closers in Kenley Jansen and Will Smith. And then Will Smith struggled. So this gives them that same dynamic with two closers, except that both of them are legit closers.
0: Does the contract worry you it'll be $16 million for the next three years each year?
2: <sighs> yeah, I mean, it. that's the thing is it does a bit. and But I think that's why the Braves got off, you know, Jesse Chavez has been great this year, uh, but I think that's why they got off and only really trading Tucker Davidson otherwise um, because of that contract, and they really helped the Angels free up some payroll flexibility. That contract certainly worries me, but here's the thing. is like The Braves continue to say publicly, like Anthopolis said it tonight, that the payroll is going to be going up and it's going to be more expansive, so this really should not be an issue, especially – as we'll get into, because of Riley's extension and what it looks like, because of Matt Olson's extension, which we've broken down on what that looks like. Um, because the Braves got, you know, Will Smith off the books and we'll have Charlie Morton off the books, things like that. They've got flexibility to do something like this, and that's about what it's gonna cost to get a legitimate closer um, in today's game. It's just about Iglesias maybe worrying you if he lives up to it. That's for the long term
0: in the short term. These are the current relievers on the Braves roster. Jansen, Iglesias, Mentor, McHugh, Lee, Matzik, Stevens, with Kirby Yates in AAA.
2: Yeah, I think that that's pretty good, right? Especially because Kirby Yates has shown no signs on this. Now it's only a rehab assignment. We'll qualify with that. But he has shown no signs of anything going poorly, of any real concern. And he's, you know, he's in the minor leagues, but if this guy can be somewhat good for you, if you can trust him even from the seventh inning or the sixth inning, whatever it might be, not even saying he has to pitch in the eighth yet or the seventh yet. If you can simply trust him, that's a win and your bullpen is absolutely better when he returns than it was a week ago. And I think the bullpen right now is better than it was, you know, two days ago, just by virtue. I think Will Smith had struggled. Now, he should always be credited for what he did in the postseason, with eleven scoreless innings, um, six saves, incredible. Uh, you hardly ever see a run like that, um, and that should be remembered. But he had struggled this year. Iglesias is a legit closer. He's you know a name that needs to be reckoned with. The contract's a little much, but in the short term, this Braves bullpen looks you know really better than we ever could have imagined when you consider that a Luke Jackson is out. B, Kirby Yates has been out. C, you know, Mike Soroka, who was supposed to join the rotation and, you know, doesn't seem kind of far off, has been out. The pitching staff in general, the bullpen right now looks really good.
0: It is rare, though, to have what was one of the best, or is one of the best bullpens in the National League and still trade two of those guys to try to improve it. And giving up Jesse Chavez, which is a sentence we didn't expect to say in April,
2: does hurt. Yeah, absolutely, especially because Brian Snicker always says it best when he says that those guys are worth their weight in gold, guys like Jesse Chavez, because you don't need to warm anybody up behind them. Uh, He's reliable, he eats innings, and he's pitched in some some big spots for them. Uh, To really get him for Sean Newcomb, you know, Anthopolis was was a wizard there, Um, but you look at Iglesias and you look at the track record and you look at the stuff and you look at his numbers throughout his career and just the legitimacy he brings your team. You had to do something like this. And I think, I think it's really a sign for Alex Anthopoulos who has talked about, you know, in the past valuing bullpen depth, but just a good bullpen overall. It's a sign that the Braves are going all in on that. um, Especially because they'd seen their success there and they know that's The gap, right? Like the Mets, what's their issue? Don't have a great bullpen. The Padres have struggled there. Now they, you know, got hater. But the Dodgers at times this year have lacked depth there, like have struggled there because of injuries. Like the bullpen, and I think we saw that last year, your bullpen is really your key to postseason success if done right. And that can be a major thing that fuels you in October. And I think it's a risk, but Alex Anthopoulos was willing to, Take it apart a little bit just to build it back up. And I think what this really says to me, um, especially after they traded Will Smith, now like we said, he hadn't been good. But this says that Kirby Yates, they believe in him and they think he's gonna come back strong.
0: Ever seen anybody get pulled out of a press conference and traded?
2: No, that was the first time that it happened. I want to give a quick shout out. We try to take you, as Jay says all the time, um, it's the stories, you know, behind the score in this podcast, and we're going to take you a little bit. Let's give a shout-out to AJC photographer Curtis Compton, who came up to me at the press conference when I was sitting down. Before it had started, before Austin Riley and Alex Anthopoulos walked in, Curtis came up to me and goes, hey, who's that You know, reliever who wears the hood on the Braves? And I was like, like Jesse Chavez? And he goes, yeah, he just got pulled out. And it was funny because I had seen Braves pitching coach Rick Kranitz in the doorway um, and Brian Snicker and all – Austin Riley's teammates were, you know, in the room, in the back of the room that we going to watch the press conference about his extension. And you see Rick Cranitz come in the doorway. You see Brian Snicker join them. Jesse Chavez gets pulled out, according to Curtis. Um, and then you see the, you know, the stories about and the tweets about the trade breaking. So, yeah, that was that was certainly something. And then about. Uh, 45 minutes later, I saw Charlie Morton walking out Jesse Chavez, you know, walking him out of Truist Park and, you know, walking out with him. And, uh, yeah, definitely a sad day for those Braves teammates who lost Will Smith and, and Jesse Chavez. But, um, yeah, it was, it was strange. I can't say I've ever seen that before, and I don't know the next time I'll ever see it. But Alex even said the deal was done, you know, a couple minutes before the deadline, and it went so close to the deadline that he didn't think it'd go through.
0: All right, now let's move to the other reliever that has – Been uh, moved on. Will Smith going to Houston for Jake Odorizzi. What are the Braves getting in Odorizzi here?
2: Yeah, yeah, reliable starter, a guy who has proven he can be efficient and effective. uh, A few, you know, a handful of starts since coming off the injured list on July fourth. Now he suffered a pretty bad leg injury in May, if if anybody recalls that. Going running to cover first base, it looked like. I mean, I think he was carted off, and it looked like it was pretty serious. He comes back a couple months later, has looked good. Eats innings, a guy that has a ton of experience, um, you know, and, and I think uh, fastball sits at 92 or is averaging 92 this year. Um, but really it's another starter, and it's a guy who's had success, a former all-star. And what this does for the Braves is it gives them rotation coverage, um, especially the next two weeks. They've got a doubleheader Saturday in New York, and then they've got a doubleheader that next Saturday, the 13th, I believe, in Miami. Um, so really right now they can't afford to carry – They can afford to carry six starting pitchers and have, you know, because they'll need six of them and they would have needed a spot starter at points. And it really just gives them coverage if Ian Anderson continues to struggle or if there's an injury. The Braves, mind you, you look at it, now they have six starting pitchers, but they've had really good rotation health with Max Fried, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and even Ian Anderson. Like they haven't really had any scares and they haven't had any situations develop, but should they? Jake Odorizzi is a guy who, you know, can step in immediately. He was on Houston, but the Astros didn't need him. He was left off the playoff roster last year. It's a guy that, you know, it's proven. He's a proven starter, a quality starter, like we've talked about on this podcast, kind of the name we thought. But as you said last time, Jay, Alex Anthopoulos really acquiring somebody we never really even discussed. How does this help Houston? Because you don't see a lot of first-place
0: teams trade starters for relievers, especially a reliever that's kind of struggling.
2: Yeah, and that, that's that's the main question, right? It's like, how does it help Houston considering Will Smith got a thirteen million dollars salary that he's going to, you know, be paid the rest of uh, the for the remainder of the season, and then he has, you know, an option, a club option, but that could be bought out. So it's like, why would Houston pay that much? They probably looked at the postseason success and saw that as very valuable, and then. A lot of teams will see something in a reliever, especially pitchers. They'll see something that they think they can exploit to get the most out of that guy that maybe another organization wasn't doing, um, and they'll take a chance with it. Like for Oda Rizzi, it's it's like he's got a I think it's a six and a half million dollar player option for next year, um, and they're getting Will Smith. So it's like for them, a guy who they viewed as expendable, especially with Lance McCullers, you know, returning. Might as well get another reliever for them, shore up their bullpen. They needed bullpen help. And he's a veteran guy. Like Will Smith, a guy who's been around, has shown the ability to pitch well. Um, he is as synonymous for his postseason experience as he is uh, for the roller coaster relief appearances among the Braves fans. But, you know, Houston thinks they can get something out of them and they needed bullpen help. And so they're going to turn to it, especially giving up a guy they really didn't need.
3: When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart.
0: The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger and Heads Up Parents. Kroger Chef Jr. is back just in time for your summer planning. So come join your local Kroger Chef for a guided kids cooking experience making a fruit pizza on August 13th and August 27th at select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your child gets an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card, and a box, and a pizza cutter for only 7 bucks per kid. So register for your time period today at
2: KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr.com. Are you, are you gonna be are you gonna be participating? Do you want the free pizza cutter? I'm a terrible cook, so
0: I probably Uh-oh. can take as much out of this as an eight year old um, and a pizza cutter always helps. Um, so I, you may see me at one of these Kroger chef Junior events on August thirteenth or august twenty seventh at my uh, local Kroger store.
2: Just make sure Alex Anthopoulos doesn't extend another player while you're there. <laughs>
0: That's right. We will shift on to uh, Robbie Grossman for uh, Chris Anglin and uh yes. Uh, Robbie's overall batting averages is pretty well um, <clears throat> gross. But that is not what the Braves want
2: here. No, no. They if you if you for him you need to take a closer look because on first glance you go, two oh five batting average, eh, like that's not good. And then you go over to his OPS and you're like, Ew, that's under six hundred. But you look at his splits for this year and we'll just go for this year. And in limited time, he has hit lefties really well. He's a switch hitter who has hit lefties at a 364 clip with a 999 OPS over 77 at bats, um, and he's got a home run and 10 RBIs in only 77 at bats. Whereas in 196, he's you know hitting against righties 143 with a 430 OPS, and over his career, we're gonna flip over to his career against righties. 233 with a 699 OPS and against lefties 281 with a 796 OPS was a huge difference over his career. And so this really complements Eddie Rosario. Well left. And we, we talked about this Jay, right? Like that, the probably the easiest path for the Braves who figured to have payroll flexibility to spend in the future was to find an option to platoon in left field, you know, especially because they think Eddie Rosario can get hot. They believe in him. They've seen what he can do in his NLCS form. They didn't expect him to be quite that. Nobody could. That's not sustainable. But if he could just hit a little bit, they thought they'd be fine there. And so I thought they would really go with more of a a platoon type, and they did. And they went with somebody who complements Rosario perfectly. Rosario is a lefty. Um, And switch hitting Robbie Grossman crushes, you know, he can hit lefties. And so, like, he's been much better there. And the metrics say he's got a, you know, his average glove in left field. That won't hurt them. He's not a liability. Um, And so, yeah, like, you have to look a bit below the surface on this one um and this is an example of kind of improving at the margins shoring up you know the outfield and you know the body and depth and a specific need rather than a star player
0: the price is chris anglin who was a 16th round pick last year era of 593 in low a is that a fair price for robbie grossman
2: yeah i mean that's yeah the the tigers you know weren't probably weren't going to bring him back he's a free agent after the season so um he's a rental player and Anglin, a guy who started, you know, in the Florida Complex League uh, with the Florida Complex League Braves, pitched well there, um, and now, you know, is in Augusta, was in Augusta, um, and had gotten hit around a little bit more there. Uh, the ERA wasn't as good, but still young, drafted last year, for, first full season of pro ball, definitely a fair price, um, especially because he wasn't on the radar of any, you know, top lists. Um, and for a rental, the probably wasn't in the Braves' You know, future plans kind of a low, just a low ranked prospect, and so um, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely a fair price for for a rental player.
0: That is a Harry Andrianje for Trey Harris a fair price.
2: Yeah, Trey Harris was a guy whose path was blocked. I mean, by all accounts, you know, a, a good person. I remember talking to him in minor league camp, and and really loved the opportunity. He's from the Atlanta area, went to high school in Powder Springs, um, and for Andrianje infield depth. He knows the Braves; they know him. Because of a quad strain, hasn't played a ton this year. So, you know, he'll fill in kind of that last spot in the roster, one of the last spots on the roster that Robbie Cano, you know, filled before they designated him for assignment. Um, and yeah, I mean, Trey Harris was didn't really have a path there. He's repeating Double A um, and didn't have a ton of a path, especially because the Braves, you know, and even the system above Trey Harris uh, is packed with outfielders.
0: What's Adrian's role going to be? Is there any kind of platoon right now um, until Albies comes back, or is he depth?
2: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's depth. I mean, I think they're going to run with Orlando RC, and it'll become a platoon type situation, like it did with Cano. If um, if RC isn't hitting well, he hit pretty well tonight. Um, but you know, Adrian's is a switch hitter, so they could platoon him that way. Could start him against you know different guys that way based on the matchup but I think he'll be depth for now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they regard these things because I asked Brian Snicker about the Robbie Grossman end of that, and he said they're really going to look at more pitcher matchups more than anything, more than just specific handedness. And so I think it'll be that way for Adrianza, but I think he'll be in a depth role versus a you know a 50-50 platoon.
0: All right, now here's my analysis on the Padres.
2: They did good. Uh, yeah, I mean... Anytime you can add a generational player at the deadline who has two and a half years of control, which, mind you folks, is three postseason appearances, if you make it there, Um, that is very good. But, and I know this might be an unpopular take, but you look at this from Nationals General Manager Mike Rizzo's perspective. You let Rendon walk. You let Harper walk. Um, Strasburg's a bad contract, but you, you trade Scherzer, you know, with, half a year of control left you know as a rental at that point you trade Turner with a year and a half of control left you have to get something from Soto he did he didn't I mean he rejected 440 million dollars I mean could you have offered more sure but I think Soto at least from what's been reported out of DC had wanted to play for a contender play for a winner Um, and I think turning down 440 dollars makes it Four hundred forty million dollars makes it really, really clear that more than double what Austin Riley accepted. Right, right, and that makes it really clear that he is set on playing for for a contender. So if you're the Nationals, yeah, you're gonna get slammed and you know in every publication and by TV stations and the network and things like networks and things like that, because the truth is can you really get a hall of prospects and players that can live up to Juan Soto? Like probably not. Like you don't know what you're getting out of those guys, but if you trade him now, you have more leverage with the two and a half years of control rather than, you know, it gets the cost is would have just gone significantly down the, their leverage and just what they're, they're asking price, what they could ask after today. And so it's like you had to do it if you knew you weren't going to re-sign him. You can't risk doing that again, especially if you're not going to contend. Um, they don't look anywhere close to contending, even if they were to keep him and re-sign him. They just don't look anywhere close to contending for the next three years. But the Padres, they now have Juan Soto. And don't forget in that deal, Josh Bell. Oh, by the and, way. We'll just throw uh, him yeah. in Yeah, th- throw him, the guy in there who's hit really, really well this year. Um, and oh, by the way, they got Brandon Drury. And oh, by the way, don't forget about Monday, which was apparently a billion hours ago when they got Josh Hader. So you look at right now. What's as it your take st- with Hader? I mean, I think he's just had a rough go of it recently, but I think he's the best closer in the game. I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's a matter of, you know, relievers go through that sort of thing. The Brewers were smart because, look, the Brewers' thing has always just been to, as it's, you know, been reported by people in the know there, that they don't want to rebuild like they're, that's not what they're in it for. They want to kind of squeeze the most they can out of these guys and then try to stay in contention and look like they did that. Like Taylor Rogers from San Diego, who they got in that hater deal had a really good season and had struggled a lot recently, like a lot and it just wasn't working, but he's compiled, you know, like he's toward the top of the leaderboard. If not at the top, you know, it saves and has been for pretty much the entire year. So he'd been really good. Um, But my take is, like, Hader is nasty, dominant. Um, He's a guy that the Padres really needed just because they probably have seven to ten more wins, at least, if the bullpen were good this year. They've had so many collapses, and so they went out hard and got that guy. But, Jay, if you look at this, uh, if it started today, I believe, you know, the Padres and the Braves would be playing each other in that that wildcard round. In Atlanta. Three games. Yeah. And and i mean i mean who you who do you, do you care i mean i think we asked brian snicker and alex anthopoulos this i mean do you, do you care about perception come trade time i mean the padres were splashy the braves were not but the braves probably have a better roster overall to to start with before the deadline i mean it who knows do you, do you care about perception this time of year i mean look at the if you don't
0: win um one of the top 2 seeds win your division and get one of the top 2 seeds it appears you will have to go through three of these four teams to win the pennant. The Braves, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Mets.
2: Yeah, that's that's a brutal murderer's row. And it's it's funny, right? Because, like, anything can happen in baseball, but we look at the AL and you're like, ah, eh, like, can't wait for Yankees-Astros for seven games, you know, in October, in the ALCS. But this NL gauntlet is probably the best word for it is going to be crazy because who do you want to face? Do you want to face Darvish and Musgrove in a short series? Do you want to face Freed and whoever with a powerful offense and a lot of depth and a terrific bullpen? Do you want to face DeGrom and Scherzer in a short series with a good, good offense? offense? And now do you want to face, with Darvish and Musgrove, do you want to face Tatis Machado and Soto and then the rest of that lineup? And, oh, and Josh Bell and then the rest of that lineup. Um, and then, oh, and then the Dodgers who are – sleepy at the deadline and only got joey gallo but oh by the way still have mookie betts and trey turner and walker buehler is going to come back and have like a star-studded lineup
0: are you surprised the mets didn't do more
2: yeah very surprised uh because here's the thing is when they acquired daniel vogelbach they almost robbed peter to pay paul in the sense that they colin holderman um they traded him to Pittsburgh, and he was a great reliever, young reliever, uh, had pitched really well. And I think they needed more from a bullpen perspective because they've hurt there. And then they need more power. Like, that's the one thing that lineup lacks is for how good it is. They needed a Wilson Contreras or they needed like a JD Martinez, um, even though Martinez had had some of the injury issues. I'm surprised they did not end up with. Wilson Contreras and, you know, Ian Happ or somebody like that, or even, like, David Robertson. Like, I was surprised the Phillies got Robertson and and not the Mets. Like, I'm surprised that the Mets were, you know, only acquired Darren Ruff, really, in terms of, like, their lineup. And they had, you know, they had Daniel Vogelbach, whom they acquired before. But I'm really surprised they didn't end up with Contreras or Martinez and really make that lineup very powerful. And when asked by reporters tonight, GM Billy Epler basically said, like, is it worth improving 1% somewhere and giving up 1.5 or 2% in terms of prospect value? The flip side to that wow. and why the fan base is not happy is because the Mets are currently off to the second best start in franchise history after the 1986 team. And oh, by the way, who, for those you know, who might not know, that team won the World Series. So they're off to the second best start in franchise history after that club they have DeGrom and Scherzer and DeGrom plans to opt out after this season. So you have DeGrom and Scherzer right now in the same rotation and you're not going to absolutely just go up for it with an owner who's shown he's willing to spend. That made no sense to me. I understand wanting to keep top prospects, Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty, but everybody else should have been available. And that's, that's why I, I cannot believe that, that (laughs) the price was too high for these guys. It, it, It shocks me. Like if, if, you're the Braves or you're the Phillies or you're the Padres or you're the Dodgers or even the Brewers the Mets really let you off the hook by not doing anything with their lineup we'll
0: get to uh, Austin Riley's extension here in a second but I do want to tell you that if you are not subscribing to the Atlanta Journal Constitution well we do have a special offer for you because there is a ton that we offer here at this newspaper and at this website. Not only in sports, but our news and our investigations coverage as well. But we have the special offer for Braves fans, especially if you're listening to the podcast. You've probably heard this before. We call it our Season Pass, and it's half off the regular offer. You get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just thirty nine ninety nine for the next eight months. That is 125 a week. So if you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash pass. So you always know what's really going on and we've also determined that if uh, you win player of the month you get 212 million dollars
2: yeah I think that's the way it works these days that was uh full transparency every month at the end of the month um I vote on I'm one of the people who votes on those and I, I think that's the and I, I God, I'm gonna sound like a homer here I I'm one of the people who tries to just be as objective as possible I don't care if I cover the players I just don't care like I just whoever deserves to win that was the easiest vote i think i have ever had for player of the month and now austin riley
0: is going to be here for another decade and you and gabe were both in the room for his press conference on tuesday
2: austin if you look back at when you were a kid at desoto a high school senior there when you're 16 17 years old in high school to now what would that kid think about what's happened since then and to get this
1: deal probably wouldn't believe it um you know i feel like i've come a long way from from then um You know just super fortunate um and and, you know really you know can can thank the man above for for this you know happening um you know words really can't describe i've got one for alex real quick when did this
2: intensify and when did you guys seriously begin talks with with his side where you thought you could get something done like
1: this? yeah we've talked um you know the arbitration process was definitely a good time to have that discussion um And then, um, really, just around this trade deadline, we've had a lot going on, a lot of uh, decision-making in terms of contractually long-term, and... um Uh, we basically got it done the day that it was announced, but intensified really in that short period. But we had set a foundation, in my opinion, prior to the arbitration process. And I think the biggest thing is, obviously, he wanted to be here. Very important. Um, I do want to take the opportunity to thank Terry McGurk, chairman of the club. Obviously, this is a huge commitment for us. We have not ever done a deal like this. Terry's been here uh, the entire time. The Brees have never done something like this. Matt Hannaford at Alliance Sports. Um, You know, for being able to work with him, fantastic. Uh, Again, these are hard to get done. Uh, But, you know, they worked together. He wanted to be here, and we're elated to have him. Gabe? Yeah, Austin, being – you have a long way to go, but being signed through your mid-30s
0: now, there's a distinct possibility that you've spent your whole career here. You think about the players, the, you know, the Hank Aarons, Chipper Jones, the the guys who have been here and are synonymous with this franchise. Do you think about one day – Hopefully
1: you're that type of guy, and what would it mean to you to just be here your entire career? You know, that that would be huge, and, and it's definitely a goal is to, to be here my whole career. Um, you know, the, the guys that have come before me, like you said, the Hank Aarons, um, the Chipper Jones, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's pretty special to, to, you know, be able to potentially have that opportunity, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully hopefully it does happen.
0: I know giving somebody $212 million a franchise record contract for the next 10 years is not necessarily cheap and a bargain. But did the Braves get a bargain?
2: Yeah, and it's always funny when we break that down because, as you mentioned, it is utterly insane to say that. Like, think about what you just said and what you just asked. But in baseball's economic landscape, they they probably got a bargain because his price – is going up um, would have, would have gone up even more with his play. Uh, Say he finishes somewhere around the top three of the MVP voting or wins MVP price would have gone up um, significantly gets closer to free agency price goes up because of that. And there is actually evidence of his price going up. So I was told that, um, and this is what you get if you subscribe to the Atlanta journal constitution. um, But, I was told that when, as Alex mentioned, when they, uh, he mentioned that they had talked during, you know, around arbitration. So the Braves had reached out um, back in April before Riley's hearing, which he eventually lost uh, to the Braves with a potential deal. They didn't, they weren't close in anything. That deal was on a much smaller scale. How much smaller? It was for fewer years and for less than half of the money he ended up receiving less oh, wow. than half of that total dollar figure that he ended up receiving so there's a just a a, a good idea for you of how much the price has gone up and and kind of what happened but like you said this is a bargain for the Braves uh Austin Riley wanted to stay he's developed into probably one of, you know one of the best hitters in baseball could be a perennial all-star um, is going be one of the, it's one of the third best one of the best third basemen in baseball, and now his pay reflects it. But this works for both sides because Riley is making $3.95 million this year. Um, he's a super two-player, which means he actually has four years of arbitration instead of three, um, and he reached that with service time in his first, you know, since getting up in 19. And so a rough estimate without this extension a rough estimate for his arbitration years the final 3 would have been he makes 10 million next year 15 million the year after 20 million the year after that say that happens the free agent years on this contract to get to 212 million dollars would have been 24 million instead riley's making you know i think it's 15 um 21 you know 20 and 21 something like that Anyways, the remaining free agent years are twenty-two million dollars um, after his arbitration years on this contract. That allows the Braves to basically keep Riley and Matt Olson in the same ballpark in that regard, um, which could help with other guys that they're trying to, you know, extend. Um, you know, if they choose to go that route. And then on Riley's side, he gets more of that money front-loaded, and there's no deferred money, so it really works for both sides, and everybody kind of wins. Um, and you really got the sense that at, you know, $21.2 million a year that the Braves, you know, average annual value, the Braves really got to steal because Riley is, you know, the fourth highest paid third baseman in, in baseball now. I mean, and you'd think it would have been more if he were to reach for your agency.
0: And that uh, is a good transition into our abbreviated Ask Justin segment where we take questions on your Twitter feed at?
2: Justin C. Toscano.
0: From Trey Bruce. With the Braves taking on the Iglesias contract for the next few years, does that limit their ability to pay guys like Swanson or Freed?
2: No, I don't think so, because I think that stuff is opened up by other money coming off the books, whether it be Morton or, you know, now Will Smith or what was going to come off of of him, um, you know, and and in other spots. I don't think that's going to, you know, hamster. I don't think the Braves are going to be hamstrung by that at all. I think they will find ways to get things done if they want to and if both parties are interested.
0: From Dan Cyril, who gets the next extension?
2: Uh, I'm going to go out of limb and say it is Dansby.
0: And the last question from Kid Celine: After the last few years, exactly how depleted is the farm system, Vaughn Grissom aside?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely Alex Anthopoulos said today that they've never inquired about a specific player and been told they don't have the players to acquire that player. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely depleted. Like, Vaughn Grissom's great. Jared Schuster's promising. Um, but with graduations, especially those in Michael Harris and Spencer Strider, it's, it's depleted. Like, I think the Braves, I think there's an argument to be made about, and this is a conversation for different times. I'll keep it short. I think there's an argument to be made, as Alex Anthopoulos said, that the Braves don't hype up their players publicly as much as other people do, which leads to them maybe not being so highly ranked. Michael Harris wasn't super highly ranked last summer. Spencer Strider wasn't. Austin Riley never really was um, years ago. So there's an argument there, but I think they don't have the prospects of the Padres or the Dodgers or other teams that were able to pull off huge trades. All right, and that's
0: where we will stop it here for this edition of the Braves Report podcast because there's a day game and then five in New York this weekend.
2: Wow. Uh, That's going to be a pretty crazy environment, right? I mean, you look at five – it, that, that's actually a good thing. Usually, you'd look at a five-game series and be like, "Oh God, like that's that's a lot of games." But we're gonna we're gonna see these teams both laid bare uh, at their purest forms over five games.
0: And we will be back on Monday to break down what happened there. In the meantime, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends and tell us what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong. Your reviews and your ratings really do help us grow the show. We'll be back with you next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.